Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 12th of June, 2023, the 23rd of Sivan, 5783. Hope you are well. Hope you are safe in your part of the world. Coming to you once again here on a beautiful Monday in Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. I am just outside the walls of the old city. I can actually turn and look and see the beautiful walls of the old city of Jerusalem. Last week I was off, had a little vacation, hence no podcast. But again, hope you are well, hope you are safe wherever you are listening from. Let's get right to the news here. Uh, Former Prime Minister Ehud Barak is making headlines. According to Israel National News, Prime Minister Barak on Saturday night urged those who were attending the weekly protests against judicial reform, well, they're not really against judicial reform, they're basically against the government of the state of Israel, he urged people to step it up, step up their protests. In his words, the protests must increase and become civil rebellion. Talk about democracy there from the former prime minister calling for rebellion against the current democratically elected government of the state of Israel. So here you have a failed former prime minister who was willing to sacrifice so much of our country, Judea, Samaria, and so much to the arch-terrorist Yasser Arafat. Former prime minister who pulled out of Lebanon, which actually inspired the Oslo War, which some call the Second Intifada, calling for a rebellion against the democratically elected government in Israel. This is a prime minister, remember, who couldn't be reelected. And he's trying to influence, or rather, tear this country apart. And I'd like to know, what motivates people like this? Is he on the payroll, perhaps, of some foreign entity? Are his buddies in the PLO influencing him? Either way, these failed leaders are doing what they can to stir things up. In their own minds, they're Martin Luther King. That's who they think they are. But Barack and others are flat out calling for rebellion against democracy. He claims he doesn't want to see any violence, but violence and rebellion are exactly are what he is calling for. And again, do not fall for the trap that this is about judicial reform. This is about getting rid of the right wing who were elected this past November. That is the reality. There's more news here in regard to the uh, judicial reform. JNS reported the other day that amid one of the tensest periods in the U.S.-Israel relationship in recent memory, an Israeli embassy event celebrating 75 years of partnership with the U.S. went off almost without controversy. And the key word here is almost. You had U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris talking about the beautiful relationship between Israel and the U.S. America will continue to stand for the values that have been the bedrock of the U.S.-Israel relationship, strengthening democracy and whatnot, but then addressing Israel's ambassador to the U.S., Michael Herzog. She said both countries are built on strong institutions, checks and balances, and I'll add an independent judiciary. So while the clause there drew cheers inside the hall, 
it drew a rebuke from Jerusalem. Israel's foreign minister, Eli Cohen, said that the U.S. vice president would not be able to quote from a single clause from the judicial reform. And I think that holds to be true, not only with Vice President Harris, but also with so many of those claiming they're protesting against the reform who are coming out on Saturday night still. I wonder how many of them. I would love to take a a microphone and a camera and go into the streets in all of the cities where the protests are taking place. Apparently, they're, they're dying down a little bit. And ask people, can you explain the judicial reform? And again, I myself am not a legal expert, but I've heard from enough people, including those who drafted the judicial reform, who have explained it to me, and I clearly understand why it is necessary to pass. But these people don't even know, whether it's the vice president or the average demonstrator, protester, these people don't even know what the reform is all about. If they did, perhaps they wouldn't be, well, I don't know about the White House, but the Israelis, at least, perhaps wouldn't be out there if they actually understood what was in the bill. But getting back to Harris, this is the Biden administration trying to influence internal Israeli policies. And I am sure they have a hand in the protest movement as well. Others have said so. Again, no, not protests against judicial reform, but against the elected government, a democratically elected government of the state of Israel. That's what this is all about. Biden and company are doing everything in their power to discredit Prime Minister Netanyahu and the current government. Netanyahu is still waiting for his White House visit. He has not been invited. Whomever is pulling the strings behind the scenes, and again, it's not President Joe Biden. Anybody who sees his daily videos knows he's not calling the shots. He does not have the mental capacity to do so. But whoever, whomever is pulling the strings wants this government in Israel to fail, And judicial reform is the excuse, not the reason. Another story here about these protesters. The Jewish press reports, and I saw the video here, Israel's minister of uh, economy and former Jerusalem mayor Nir Barkat was accosted by a protester in Boston this past Thursday. He was on his way to a meeting with leaders of the Jewish community there in Boston when a protester broke through his line of security personnel and accosted him. And thankfully, Barkat's people were on the ball there and tackled this guy, from what I saw. Barkat said in response, "Political mur- and this is serious here, political murder is a matter of time in the state of Israel. These were not only... Um, Americans protesting. There were Israelis, Israeli expats also protesting both in New York where you had the Israel Day Parade last week and other events, the Jerusalem Post Conference, the Arucheva Besheva Conference. You had protesters there. I mean, these are people who left Israel who decided they no longer want their fate or the fate of their families here in the land of Israel. They're in New York. They, they left. They moved out. But yet somehow... This is still important to them, enough so that they are accosting ministers of the government to the point where Nir Barkat says that murder is just a matter of time. That's extremely scary. He said that violence is an erosion of the foundation of democracy. We are on a slippery and dangerous slope. And he thanked the security unit for repelling the attacker. 
This anarchist, by the way, who was identified, I don't even want to say his name, he told Barkat, he was screaming to Barkat, we will chase you everywhere, even in Boston. And the Jewish press here is uh, puts a humorous spin on it. They say, obviously, this includes Boston's emergency rooms where the attacking anarchist ended up. Apparently, since he was tackled to the ground, he ended up in the ER as a result um, of trying to attack Minister Nir Barkat. Again, not for judicial reform, let's be clear, but trying to bring down the government. Switching gears here, this is a story, again, I didn't report on yesterday, I was away, but absolutely horrible. I'm referring to the attack in which three IDF soldiers were murdered on the Egyptian border. Uh, Yesterday morning, Israel National News reported that the IDF chief of staff's office will release the initial result of the investigation into the terrorist attack at the Egyptian border, at the Egyptian border, in which IDF soldiers Leah Ben Nun, Ori Yitzhak Iluz, and Ohad Dahan, may God avenge their blood, were murdered by an Egyptian police officer just a week ago. Just a horrible, horrible attack there. Uh, the attacker was killed, but not before he succeeded in murdering three Israeli uh, IDF soldiers there on the southern border. And we'll see what happens with the findings of the investigation on the attack, but but either way, may God avenge their blood, the brave men, and the tra- two men and woman, and woman IDF soldiers who were murdered last week on the Egyptian border. Judea and Samaria, back in the news, you had the Secretary of State, uh, Anthony Blinken, speaking to APAC this past week, who spoke out against the Jewish communities of Judea and Samaria. Blinken said that so-called settlement expansion is an obstacle to hope. And apparently the audience didn't even respond. They didn't applaud, which is a good thing from what I understand here, according to the Jerusalem Post. He said that any move towards annexation, he called it uh, the West Bank, I call it Judea and Samaria, um, would be anti-peace. He also called out home demolitions, evictions of families, get this, that have lived in those homes for generations. That damages the prospects of a two-state solution. Firstly, we should do everything to damage the prospects of a two-state solution. That being said, he has taken the false narrative of those who claim in many of these cases that they have been in these homes for generations. Just ask the watchdog group Regavim, who has aerial footage of so many areas in Judea, Samaria, southern Hebron Hills, and what or whatnot. A lot of these areas in which the Arabs claim that their families have been there for generations, yet in fact, nothing was there. These are all, these squatter villages are all part of the Fayyad plan to take over strategic areas in what is known as Area C in Judea and Samaria, under full Israeli control. They're trying to take over these areas. It's a strategy. It's a plan. People are falling for it. They're saying that these are human. This is, these are humanitarian issues, and that's why they have to build in these areas and live in these areas. And when the uh, Israeli government does the right thing and demolishes these squatter colonies, these illegal encampments, the cameras are rolling. The U.S. Secretary of State is paying attention. And you have what is called fake news. These people were not here for generations. 
They are illegal squatters a lot of times on uh, within IDF firing zones, literally putting their families in harm's way, some of them being held as pawns by the Palestinian Authority to create facts on the ground in order to take over these strategic pieces of land. Israel should be strong, be tough, well, it's, whether it's in uh, Khan al-Amar, the illegal community there, squatters village outside of Jerusalem or in other areas, these places need to go. These people, Israel's offered these people, in so many cases, beautiful plots of land on the grid with electricity and sewage and water and all the other hookups they need, yet they are either being held against their will or they are deciding to remain in these areas in order to take over Area C. So while Blinken talked about how communities in Judea and Samaria are a hindrance towards peace, Prime Minister Netanyahu on Sky News uh, said the opposite. I was watching a clip of his video over the weekend in which he talked about Israel's historic ties to Judea, the most natural thing in the world to talk about Jews who come from Judea, um, refuting the argument made, of course, by the Sky News correspondent that so-called settlements are illegal and settlements, so-called, I say, communities in Judea and Samaria are obstacles to peace. Netanyahu, the master, the master, whether, whether you like the prime minister or not, I think it would be hard to argue against the fact that when it comes to television, uh, media, he is truly an expert. He said, Jews come from Judea. It's part of our, it's part of our ancestral homeland. It's our country. You can go watch the whole clip there via Sky News. Netanyahu also uh, reported here yesterday by the Jerusalem Post, talked about the potential of normalization with Israel and Saudi Arabia. He actually said that Normalizing ties with the Saudis would resolve the conflict with the so-called Palestinians. He said an Israeli, or reported here, an Israeli normalization deal with Saudi Arabia would pave the way for peace. This was also, by the way, part of the, as reported by the Jerusalem Post, part of that Sky News interview, which was released on Friday. So he thinks that is another, that would be a, a very helpful in the process of peace right now the saudis are talking about you know using the same language they did i guess it's been almost two decades ago in which they're once again referring to a pa state or whatnot for peace um and i blame again i blame the u.s administration for putting the saudis in the orbit of iran working out um negotiating with iran working out deals with iran under the, the Trump administration, the Saudis knew the U.S. had their back and were willing, on the verge of teaming up with Israel, perhaps joining the Abraham Accords, but they don't trust the White House. The Saudis and so many others do not trust this administration. They don't respect weakness, and that's what this U.S. administration is. Speaking of weak... Mahmoud Abbas in the news here reported by JNS. Uh, a, re a recording was leaked in which PA leader Mahmoud Abbas here, listen, he admits it. He told a group of uh, Arab Americans 
that U.S. Secretary of State Blinken was a little boy. Abbas told President Putin, we don't trust America, and he and other Palestinian leaders often attack the Biden administration for what they claim is a failure to live up, for, live up to promises. Now, I don't want the Biden administration fulfilling any so-called promises, like opening a PA or PLO embassy in Jerusalem, but you can see that even Mahmoud Abbas doesn't respect the U.S. administration. All right. Uh, nevertheless, despite PA leaders tr uh, trashing the Biden administration, U.S. Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Israeli-Palestinian Affairs Andrew Miller told JNS the other day that Washington has demonstrated that it wants to build a relationship with Ramallah. So on one hand, that's bad. The U.S. should not want to rebuild a relationship with Ramallah after the Trump administration essentially shut the whole thing down. Uh, even though the fact, as I just mentioned, Abbas doesn't respect that Biden administration thinks they're weak, little boys. He said he's a little boy, Blinken. But the U.S. still, still wants to uh, get into bed, so to speak, with the Palestinian Authority. Again, this despite the fact that the, that the pay-to-slay program still exists with terrorists and their families receiving salaries for the murder of Israelis. Remember the U.S. Congress's Taylor Force Act, which prohibits economic support and assistance that directly benefits the PA um, because that money goes to terrorists. And there's loopholes in the deal and the U.S. administration is taking advantage of those loopholes and continues to support the PA. Well, we're talking about a lot of money. What does it say here? I think it said a billion dollars. A lot of money to the PA, even though they are still in the business of supporting terrorists. Talking about Israel haters, let's turn, of course, to Roger Waters. He had a concert. We talked about the concert in Germany last week. Uh, or two weeks ago, now he had a concert in London, and an Israeli by the name of Yochi Davis, actually a friend of mine on social media, she went to the concert, was waving an Israeli flag, and got chucked. You're talking about uh, a daughter of Holocaust survivors waving the Israeli flag, thrown out of Roger Waters' concert in London for waving the Israeli flag. However, according to this report, uh, Waters and company, the security detail had no problem with the PLO flags over there at the O2, O2 Arena in London. This man is using his stardom to normalize anti-Semitism, anti-Zionism, um, and Roger Waters is simply at it again, dressing up as a Nazi again during this London concert to, to the applause of the audience. Again, I don't understand why they're applauding him for that. But he is trying to normalize anti-Semitism, and he must be stopped. People need to confront and share the truth when it comes to the hate of Roger Waters. But as the PLO flags are waving in Germany, they are also waving here in Jerusalem. Israel Hayom reported yesterday that the Hebrew University of Jerusalem uh, came under fire due to a pro-so-called Palestinian event on campus that featured singing and waving of the PLO terrorist organization's flag. Last week's event held at the, ironically, the Truman Hall for Peace Research on the Mount, Scou uh, Mount Scopus campus. That's here in Jerusalem. 
organized by the university's Arab students in honor of the end of the school year. Uh, they held this event. And people were taking pictures with the PLO flag, which, of course, is associated with incitement against Israel. They were up on stage. You can go online and look at them taking pictures. Uh, organizations such as Im Tirtzu and others criticized the school. Another organization called Lach Yerushalayim said it's shameful and disgraceful that Hebrew University allows for such an event to be held on university premises where the flags of the PLO terror organization are featured. How can coexistence be promoted when such an event is allowed to be held? Instead of promoting coexistence, Hebrew University promotes a separatist and nationalist narrative through such events for shame. I agree with him, Tirtsu, and the others here. Such events should not be allowed. And for those who call out freedom of speech, there are, of course, limits to what you can and cannot say. You cannot scream fire in a crowded theater, and you cannot hold and celebrate with the flag of an enemy who pays terrorists and their families on a sliding scale. The more Jews they harm, the more Jews they murder, the more money they are paid. That is who the PLO is. From the river to the sea, they still chant. They would like to destroy the entire country ethnically cleanse the Middle East of its Jewish population. That's who the PLO is. Of course, Hamas and the others as well. But let's focus here on the PLO. It seems like everyone is at it this week, whether it's Roger, Roger Waters or, in this case, the UN so-called Human Rights Council. A new report came out by NGO Monitor, published by a commission of uh, inquiry of the UN Human Rights Council, so-called Human Rights Council, which NGO Monitor says it is flawed and reflects ex extreme ideological bias, of course, anti-Israel bias, a 56-page report by this International Commission of Inquiry obsessed with Israel. Um, the report trashes the Jewish state, does a lot of nasty things, spreads disinformation, Representative Ann Hertzberg from NGO Monitor said the report will bolster BDS and marginalize Jews that speak out against terrorism and anti-Semitism. Arsen Ostrovsky, CEO of the International Legal Forum, described the report as another obscene inversion of reality without any factual or legal basis and where Israel's guilt was fixed from the onset. This report opposing the IHRA working def uh, definition of anti-Semitism that definition states that if Israel, the one and only Jewish state in the world, is held to a different standard, that is called anti-Semitism. So the report is against that. The report is a kangaroo court. That is what uh, the Israel mission referred to. Uh, that's how the Israel mission referred to this report and the UN Human Rights Council in general as a kangaroo court, which should be both Ostrovsky and Hertzberg from NGO Monitor said the Human Rights Council should be defunded. Again, bottom line, UN's and the UN has an anti-Israel infatuation. They are obsessed with the one and only Jewish state. Even as war and violence rage in different countries around the world, their focus is on Israel. And that's called anti-Semitism, holding Israel to a different standard, the obsession with Israel. Um, I don't have any other details of the actual report, but I'm sure you could find it very quickly. I don't know if you really want to read it um, without being sick. But a 56-page report, essentially a big Israel-bashing fest coming out of the UN so-called Human Rights Council.
Uh, Israel, unfortunately, has postponed for the third time a hearing on a proposed housing project in the E1 corridor that's just east of Jerusalem, between Jerusalem and Malaya Dumim. I've, I've reported on this several times for JNS. The committee was supposed to meet the higher planning committee of the civil administration to talk about building in the E1 area, building a neighborhood which would be um, connected to Malaya Dumim. It's already been postponed. Uh, meetings on the matter on the E1 project have been were postponed in September, then in March, and I think one other time, and now postponed yet again. I don't know why we're afraid to build uh, a, a connection, a neighborhood for Israelis between Male Adumim and Jerusalem. A plan that actually started was introduced by the Rabin government back in the 90s. Uh, the fact that this committee is not meeting is a victory for the Israel haters and a victory for the PA, which we spoke about before, is illegally building in Judea and Samaria throughout Area C. It's also a victory for the European Union, which supports the illegal building. Sadly, our government is kicking the can down the road once again. And as I said, this has been going on for many, many years, so maybe I shouldn't be surprised. But bottom line, the E1 should be built as soon as possible. Uh, Aruchev Israel National News reported yesterday that Simcha and Leah Golden, who we've had on this show, I believe it was Leah Golden, maybe a year ago, the parents of Hadar Golden, whose body has been held, to, held captive in Gaza by Hamas, the terrorist organization for the past nine years. Uh, the Golden family has held a protest, according to this, 110 consecutive weeks demanding the return of Hadar Golden and Oren Shaul, the two captives. They've been protesting outside of the uh, cabinet meeting. 110 weeks, this family, are trying to get the bodies back of their sons who Hamas is holding since 2014's uh, IDF uh, operation in Gaza. Again, Hadar Golden, Oron, Shaul, been held captive illegally since 2014. Hamas also holds two Israeli citizens who are believed to be alive. Uh, Avera Mangisto and Hisham al-Sayed, and they refer, refuse to allow them to be visited by the Red Cross. The family's protesting, and we should all take a moment, we should all do something to bring to the forefront, to bring to the attention of the world the fact that Hamas is illegally holding two Israelis captive and holding on illegally holding on to the bodies of two Israeli soldiers. May God avenge their blood. Let's finish on some positive news. Israel's under-20 national soccer team last night defeated South Korea 3-1, taking the bronze medal in the FIFA under-20 World Cup. This is an unbelievable achievement for the game of soccer or football, as some people call it here in Israel. Israel actually defeated the favorite Brazil in the quarterfinals, unfortunately losing 1-0 to uh, Uruguay. Uruguay actually won last night, defeated, I believe, Italy, winning the World Cup. So you have uh, Uruguay won, Italy two, and Israel, Team Israel beating South Korea last night, finishing in third place. Huge, huge sports achievement for the state of Israel. Hopefully this will translate into future appearances. Israel has only been in, if I'm not mistaken, only been at the World Cup one time in Mexico City about, what was it, 40 plus years ago that they were in the World Cup. 
and uh, they didn't do so well in that tournament. But hopefully our future is bright, and Israel will once again return to the World Cup, and who knows, maybe one day Israel will be champions of the world in soccer. Remains to be seen, but congratulations. Uh, hold your heads high, boys. Uh, you did a great job there. Made Israel proud at the Under-20 World Cup in Argentina, finishing third place with the bronze medal. And that's going to do it for today. Another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. My name is Josh Haston. The 12th of June. Today's the 12th of June, 2023. The 23rd of Sivan, 5783. Summer right around the corner. Getting warm here in the Jewish state of Israel. Actually beautiful today, but getting warm. We've had some really, really hot days. Hopefully it'll be a nice, mild, beautiful summer where we can go to the beach and hang out on Fridays in the beautiful Jewish state. Big shout out to Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Th- uh, Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Get in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. That's where you can find me. Have a great week, everyone. Signing out and signing off from Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people, just outside the walls of the old city of Jerusalem. Have a great week, everybody. Be safe. Shalom, shalom. Only the poem that sets the heart on fire, says Uri Tzvi Greenberg, is not a falsehood like all other achievements. Its truth is the only truth. And I'll tell you the truth. I'm here to try and tell you the truth as I see it. Because I'm Ralph Mike Foyer, and this is The Jewish Story. Join Ralph Mike Foyer for the best Jewish history podcast, The Jewish Story. On the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.